Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Gateway for awakening. 
It's not something to get rid of. Rather, the way we pay attention to self-aversion is actually the ground of the past. Meditating Radio. That was Tara Brock. Accepting yourself just the way you are. Sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's not. Sometimes we feel like there's always room for improvement and there are times that we sense that um, we might be missing something and we're looking to see in what way we can actually capture it once again. And, you know, it has come to the point in our lives that as it gets a little bit more shady or gray, um, we are actually... I guess being given an opportunity to raise the vibrations. And when we talk about raising the vibrations, we're actually looking at to what extent can love come through me, especially in a loveless situation. It's easy to love when it's going your way. But are you able to love when it's not? And I want you to pause and think about that just for a little bit. Is it easy to love when the relationships around you, the circumstances that are being governed by those relationships, the health of your body, when that's just not working, can you still give love? Can you still show up with love? And I was speaking to a friend of mine yesterday who runs a very, very large spiritual movement here in the nation's capital. And there were some issues with somebody in the church and the conversation was about, you know, well, this is what we're going to have to do to counteract this situation, et cetera, et cetera. And together I just sat and I said, you know, what would God do in this situation? And again, it always comes back to he would just sit there or stand there or she would sit there and stand there and would just exude love even if it's love with room for improvement in which you're about to convey something that can assist the person to transcend you know, more into a higher pattern of expression. Or it could be basically sharing thoughts and ideas about just how much the appreciation is there for the way the person is or the situation. And so to what extent is my love fully activated? And what sabotages the love in the soul? And for years I've been investigating the energy of attachment and ego. 
And whenever I find myself in a loveless situation, I'll always find ego or attachment right there sitting, trying to take that love away. I've seen it over and over and over again. Despite if whatever has occurred is right or not, if it has light in it or not, the real deal is, am I me? Am I the real me, which is the loving being that we were born to be? And so um, if we look at these times that we're in, whether it's impeachment trials, whether it is deception, lies, whether it's insanity, whatever it might be, all that's happening outside of me, am I love? Am I the greatest force that could have ever existed on the planet, which is love? Am I that? (laughs) And today we're going to be having a conversation about how to get loved up more and more. Koya Webb is an internationally recognized yoga teacher. She's a celebrity holistic health coach, author, speaker, and podcast host. She's on a mission. She's on a mission to promote self-love and make healthy living a priority in a fun and an accessible way. Koya has had a roster of celebrity clients, which will include Stevie Wonder, P. Diddy, India Ari, Les Brown, Ashley Judd, and her work has been featured in major media like Oxygen, Muscle and Performance, Steve Harvey's show, ABC, CBS. She's the founder of Get Loved Up. It's an international lifestyle community and yoga school that inspires mental, spiritual, and physical health through an app, online courses, retreats, in-person yoga teacher training events, and the Get Loved Up podcast. Koi also started in the reality show Yoga Girls and is the author of Let Your Fears Make You Fierce, How to Turn Common Obstacles into Seeds for Growth. She has a devout Instagram following of over 1 million followers. And today we're very privileged to welcome Koya Webb to America Meditating Radio. Hello, my sweet sister. Welcome to the air. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. (laughs) You're so welcome. So you've been on a beautiful journey of helping us to be a little bit more healthier with our, I would say, mindset and physical well-being, which is really important now. I would say maybe thousands of years ago, Koya, you know, we were healthy in one particular way because we had less distractions. (laughs) But the need now to really be able to focus on what is important and what is real requires a lot of fierce love. So I want to thank you for the work that you're doing. For the past 15 years, you've been, you know, teaching yoga and I think they're coining you the master yoga teacher <laughs> and transformational <laughs> expert. So why don't you sort of um, educate our listeners to find out the genesis of your inspiration in that particular area and how you actually got started? Well, thank you for this opportunity. And, you know, I laugh and giggle when you say master because <laughs> at the end of the day, I am love. You are love. We are all, everyone listening We're all love. We're vibrating, as you said, at different frequencies. And in raising that vibration, as you spoke about before I came on, that's what I've been on a journey to doing really my entire life. And I feel like even as a young girl, I was always playing in nature, connected in nature. And like you said, we were so much more connected 
to one another and to nature, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of decades ago. And now we just have more and more distractions. And so for me, I was connected you know, a lot, very because I was a country girl raised in Humboldt, Tennessee, you know, so I wasn't raised mm-hmm. on the West, and I wasn't raised in, you know, New Thought or ancient, like anything. I was raised as a Southern Baptist country girl, and mm-hmm. I, I was connected Bless to your nature, heart. and I, I think that <laughs> helped me, though. I really think being connected to nature really helped me have this connection to God and the vibration of nature. My mom used to get me to sing to trees. Just sing to mm-hmm. trees. Did it make sense? You know, you can go places and someone say sing to a tree and they will look like look at you like you're crazy. You know, <laughs> but growing up making mud pies and, and running around the house naked as a kid because I was a country I really do I look back on those sweet moments as a child before I got majorly distracted. And I, I remember that I did start with a very solid foundation, and I have to give my parents credit for that because um, there were options of city life and and stuff like that, and there were things I missed out on being way out in the country, but I learned to run, run and catch the bus and ride a bus to school, and that started my career that really got me, I feel like, really towards this path, which was track and field. When I was running Mm -hmm. track and field, I was like, this is my ticket this is my ticket out of the country. I want to see new things. I want to travel. I'm, I got bored, you know, just being with the slow life, as we all do sometimes. We get bored when things are just mundane. And so I wanted to get out and track with my ticket. I got a full scholarship because I trained every day. I ran every day. And I was like, no matter what, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. And I got there. But the second year I was running track, I fell to the ground with a sharp pain in my back. I felt like I had been shot. And I found out after going to to the doctor, I had a stress fracture in my back. And I was like, what is a stress fracture? What is happening? And the doctor said, sorry, Coria, I know you're on scholarship, but you're out for the season. So in one day, and it wasn't even a big accident, it was just out of nowhere, this sharp pain in my back, everything that I worked for my whole youth, from running for the bus when I was, you know, six years old to my teenage years, everything just was stripped away. And I was devastated. I was depressed. I was, I felt like, what do I have to live for? And I was crying in classes because I was like, okay, they're just going to send me home because I can't run anymore. So I'm useless. I don't have any value anymore. You know, and so, because I didn't really value myself, even though I studied hard, I really didn't value myself outside of track and field because I felt like this is what got me the ticket. This is what got me the education, the finances, everything. And so when that, that happened, I got that message. I went to a pretty dark place, and it wasn't until my teacher kicked me out of class because she just couldn't, and then she sent me to the counselor, and the counselor said, I want you to try yoga. Again, Southern Baptist girl, I'm like, yoga? I don't think I could try yoga. That's not, that's against, I think that might be against something that I believe in. And she's like, no, it's just stretching. And so at that time, I didn't have a choice. I got kicked out of class. So I went into this class. I was so intimidated. I looked at all these people in these positions, and here I am, anxious, depressed, 
and I don't feel like I sit in. I'm an athlete. They're sitting still. Didn't correlate, you know. I'm like, this is not mm-hmm. going to be good. And um, mm-hmm. I tried some of the poses. I couldn't touch my toes, even though the athlete was very tight, very aggro, very muscly, you know. And um, the teacher saw me struggling, and she came over to me, and she said, I just want you to breathe. And I took a deep inhale with her and exhale, and I felt tingles throughout my entire body. And I was like, oh, that was good. And I remember when I felt that was before was when I asked my parents, when do I get baptized? And they were like, you'll know, you'll know. I'm like, no, but, like, what is the preacher going to say? And they're like, you'll know. And I remember sitting in the, the audience, and I remember feeling these chills, the same type of chills head to toe throughout my body. And I was like, that's it. That must be it. That's the Holy Spirit. I know. You know, and then when I felt this, that deep breath of the teacher, I knew I was in the right place. And I stayed. I stayed through the pain. I stayed through the uncomfortability. I stayed through the why am I here. And now, 15 Mm. years later, it's my entire life. And that was how I got started. (laughs) Do Do you remember those thoughts that you would have? You know, prior to your running of track, did you did you remember basically seeing where you would be like 20 years later? You know, because remember how sometimes we would get these thoughts, and they're very visionary, um, but you have no idea that they're actually going to happen. So back in the day, did you, you used to see yourself doing this, like what you're doing now? What's interesting is that I did, because the main reason mm-hmm. that I wanted a gold medal is because I wanted to win a gold medal, go to the Olympics. That was my goal when I was running track and field, because I wanted to be an inspiration to people. I saw myself speaking to thousands of people and sharing love and sharing inspiration. It was funny because my father told me when I was a little girl, you're going to be a teacher. I was like, I'm not going to be a teacher. I don't want to be a teacher. I want to be everything. Teaching is boring, you know, and respect <laughs> all the teachers nice. out there because I am a, I am a teacher. And But I thought that, no, I want to do something exciting. And But I saw myself then, and now I speak to thousands of people, but I never got a gold medal. I didn't run mm. track. I ran track a couple of years after college. So it's funny how I still manifested that vision, but I never yeah. saw myself on a podium, actually. I saw myself running, which I did. And I saw myself in, in speaking, which I do. Yeah. And so I saw that as a young girl, and it brought joy to my heart. And I also saw myself making people feel better. And I thought yeah. I wanted to be a nurse or a doctor or a physical therapist. I didn't know my path well, was a healer because I didn't know a healer when I was growing up. Like, I didn't know. Right. I mean, I knew Jesus, but... I didn't feel like that was something that I was capable of because that's not anything that's shared in the church necessarily yeah, yeah. as being mm-hmm. capable of. So I, so I saw these things, but they didn't make sense to me. I ask you the question because even last night a few of us were sitting around and um, I, I put up the Christmas tree like almost a month before Christmas. I'm a sort of a Christmas devotee. But... Um, <laughs> Everyone was like, why is she putting up the trees so early? I go, why not? I mean, come on, the world is so dark, we need some joy. But Uh. we were all sitting around the tree, and 
a very profound experience of deja vu came over me, and I invited mm. everyone, just pause for a little. Do you remember we did this before? And it really ensued a very profound conversation. And I'm asking you that because it's not that I have an answer, but it's been of interest to really understand the mysteries of life and and have we done all of this before? And even though all the events and situations that are occurring seems as if they're devastating, you know, were they the catalyst to move us to where we are today? And I know you have your new book out, Let Your Fears Make You Fierce, which is a fantastic title. And it even received um, a number of prominent endorsements, including presidential candidate uh, Cory Booker, who said your vulnerability and leadership shared in the book will inspire readers worldwide to practice daily self-care, mentally, spiritually, and physically. Can you tell us a little bit about the book and um, what was it that got you starting to write it? And, you know, the focus of overcoming fear, um, what's behind all of that? Oh, wow. Well, that is, it's been such a long journey. But if I really had to break it down, into like a step-by-step digestible, bullet-pointed course, if you will, I would say mentally I teach people how to maintain your mental health, whether you're a parent, an entrepreneur, a student, with all the distractions from love, we need tools and rituals and things that we do every day to lead us back to love. And out of mm-hmm. all these years of being a personal trainer, being a life coach, being a thought leader, and now being an author, I have put everything that I've learned into this book, and I've shared what has been most impactful for me and my clients mm-hmm. who have zero to no time most of the time. <laughs> So, Mm -hmm. um, and for mental health, I think the three things that have been most impactful is is meditation, breath work, and yoga. And I'm a track, I'm a track girl. I love nature, Mm -hmm. I love track, I love the gym. But at the end of the day, when I'm traveling, when I have no room, when I have no track, when I have no gym, when I don't have a yoga mat, I don't have clothes. What can I do? I can sit still and breathe, and I can meditate, and I can stretch. And so yeah. and when you're injured, when you're in a hospital bed, these are things that you can do. And so because I've been there with, with my best friend with stage 4 cancer who is now 100% healed in the bed, stretching, breathing, meditating. And so I think number one when it comes to, you know, the mental, physical, and spiritual, meditation taps into both of those sitting in stillness. And I like to tell people who say, I can't meditate, just think about your happy place at least five minutes, whether that be a park or ocean or mountain, just take yourself to this place or your favorite vacation spot and get lost and revel in the sight and the sense and the smell and that's meditation. You can start there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a good way to bring people back to that loving vibration. 
um, if yeah. you will. And then physically, the movement through the breath work, and I, even if you're, I've seen videos of people, they can't even move their nose. They can only blink their eyes, but they're breathing. Yeah. And I believe breath is spirit. And so I think breath work, I, I just got certified in breath work, but I've been doing breath work throughout my whole entire yoga um, training. Um, but mm-hmm. now I have this specific, like, circle breathing. There are different types of breath work that you can do in different ways. You can use the breath to heal your entire body, to release anxiety and stress, to release yeah. inflammation in the body. And so that's important. And then yoga, whether it be eye yoga, moving your eyes when you've been looking at your cell phone too long, all the way up to moving your body. These are what I would say can bring people back to that vibration of love at any time. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, a lot of us um, are struggling with one type of fear or the other. And um, I believe that the feeding of fear is coming from an unconscious pattern of thoughts rooted in the experience of attachment or ego. It's almost as if they all hang out in a party room by themselves and they're just messing us up and having a ball, watching us do our mm. silly things. So are you able to share with us the various types of fears that are existing? Because I know you mentioned a few in the book. Could you list Absolutely. just a few, just a few so we can kind of have some more clarity on, you know, what aspect of fears are kind of eating away at our truth? I would love to. And I share, and I'm just saying this before, I share all of these tools in my book. And it's like a workbook. You write down your limiting beliefs. And, but I have a very unique perspective on fear. I feel like fear is our friend and the ego is for us. So, and what I mean by that is that fear, whether it be, you know, fear in relationships, fear of being first, fear of, you know, not being supported and the different fears that I share in the book, no matter what fear it is, the solution is to get loved up, which is why I named my company Get Loved Up, because at the end of the day, our goal is to not be in a vibration of fear. It's to be in a vibration of love and finding out, okay, are you afraid of being first because you've never done it before because it's different, because it's changed? And then I give some things you can do. You can look at someone who, who has done something similar, realize that someone has to go first and you're paving the way for your, um, your community or your children. So I give a lot of tools in the book, but regardless, the solution is the same. How can you find love in this situation? Fear is not only your friend, and the reason it's your friend is because fear is feedback to where you need to express more love. So if the fear mm. is the fear of being first, look at other people who have been first in their field. How did they get by? Everyone laughed at them. Everyone made fun of them. Everyone did this and that, you see? And so these things can help you find the love in it. You know what? I am going to be the first. So what if everyone's laughing at me? So what if no one believes it? So what if I can't prove that I see visions and that, you know, as you said earlier, that I have deja vu and we've done this before. Not, Don't be afraid to express and share, but because it's those people that weren't afraid to be different, that weren't afraid to be first, 
that really faced their limiting beliefs, those people made history. And they are mm, now the greatest people in the world. Yeah, that's true. Would you say that they had an element of self-love? Because you do speak a lot about it in the book, that an element in our health and well-being emotionally, physically, spiritually is self-love. So a lot of people are talking about this now. My interpretation of self-love is when I'm soul-aware. And what I mean by that is soul awareness is, you know, an experience that I'm living from that is just filled with truth and sacredness and divinity and purity. So whenever I find myself in that state of awareness, which I'm usually not cognizant of, it's just natural, um, I see the result of the relationships and situations outside of me, and that just signals to me that and there must have been a dab of self-love put in that situation. So I'd be curious <laughs> to find out from you, Koya, um, what actually does self-love look like to you? Oh, that's such a beautiful question. And one thing that I share, you know, with my clients and also in my book is, you know, self-love looks like something different for every single person. So but what I like to do is I like to have visuals. So I think of a love bank. And everything that brings me joy, which one of the things is being around children. I'm in Tennessee now, and I've been around my, I have 11 nieces and nephews. And just being around children and playing with children and hearing children laugh and even cry, um, it just brings me joy. And so that's something that makes me, that when I do it, I feel a sense of love for myself going out and nature and whether it's the nature here in Tennessee and the dirt and the mud and the snow or if it's in California on the beach and the sand or in the mountains, wherever it is, I love being in nature. And so being in nature is self-love. Getting a massage for me um, is self-love. Eating and drinking a lot of water and eating healthy foods, juices and fruits, that's self-love. I remember I went two years on a weird diet where I cut out all fruits. And I remember mm-hmm. eating a strawberry for the first time in two years, and a tear dropped <laughs> down my face. <laughs> I was like, I will never forbid fruit from my life ever again. You know, and I, it's just, you know, just really, like you said, connecting with my soul self. And we all know, we all, no matter how toxic, because we all get a little bit of toxicity. I'm not perfect. And I know, you know, no one's perfect. And we all get toxic from time to time, whether it be from the things that we see or um, traumas that come up for us or something outside of us. The environment affects us in different ways. We, we all are consuming some type of toxicity. And so in order to clear that out, we need to fill up our love banks with the things that we love and the things that are going to help our mental health our spiritual health and our physical health. And so anything to, to affect, that affects any of those areas in a positive way is an act of self-love. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I love the fact that you touched on the importance of children, which to me symbolizes the, the power of innocence. I get that feeling with the strawberry. I did um, a kale and banana juicing for about three and a half, four months with only one kind of a lightly cooked meal per day. And I was at a conference or a program, and the only thing they really had that I could eat was pizza. And I I doused into that <laughs> pizza with me and my um, EA, and 
as I was, he was walking me back to my room, I remember turning to him and I said, I don't know what it is. I just, I just feel so heavy all of a sudden. And he just <laughs> says, me too. You think it was the pizza? I go, it was definitely that pizza. And what I had realized is how food has such an influence on the body, but also on the mindset. So I know you advocate healing the world through a vegan lifestyle. I haven't become vegan yet, but I am lactose intolerant, so I think I get marks for that. So why do you recommend the approach of a vegan lifestyle? And are there some tangible ways to use eco-friendly living to offset the climate change that we're enduring? Absolutely. And I always like compassionately like to start my vegan talk with saying that, you know, I'm compassionate to everyone's um, diet, no matter what they eat. So whether they are just plant-based or vegan or not, the more fruits and scientific studies have shown, the more fruits and vegetables we consume in our diet on a regular basis, the healthier we're going to be physically, but not only us. There are people starving around the world that if they had the grains that we feed the animals that we then eat that mostly causes us sickness, we would not have starvation in the world. Mm -hmm. I only do it for my health. I do it for other countries that are starving. I know that we don't need because I've been 14 years without and not only that, I mean, I questioned it at the beginning. I'm a country girl that ate, you know, bacon and roasted pigs in the church parking lot. And I did all those things. And I, I'm a foodie as well. I ate ostrich and crocodile and alligator and all these things. You know, so I've been there and I, I've known it and I, and I felt it. And then I've also been without. And I'm still a foodie. I still love food and I still love pizza and burgers. Vegan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I get it when you when you love food, and there are so many rituals that we put around food, and a lot of times pizza was on Friday. It was a treat. So when we have it, whether it's even the best thing for us or not, it makes us happy because we feel like we're treating ourselves. And right. I always say no matter what you do, no matter what you put in your mouth, feel good, bring you joy, because that vibration of love for it, it can, if you feel bad about it, whether it's a green or a piece of bacon, it's not going to be good for your body. But if you feel good about it, if you pray over it, if you raise the vibration of whatever it is, now I'm not saying long term it's not going to affect your health negatively or affect the planet, which is what I'm getting into. Animal consumption depletes the planet of its resources, and it causes inflammation and mucus in our bodies. And I don't think it's the most or intentional way from what I've studied but mm-hmm. at the same time, that's my per- that's why I choose it because I know that it takes um, gallons and gallons of water um, to produce one um, cattle. I know that you know climate change is happening because we are using up all of our resources. And I know even if people do one plant-based meal a day or just start incorporating more fruits and vegetables, they're going to feel better physically. And it's mm-hmm. going to reduce our carbon footprint as a whole. Absolutely. And I'm just hoping that that message will keep spreading more and more. And, I mean, I'm half Jamaican, half Indian. So where the <laughs> Jamaicans are concerned, you know, it's curry goat, oxtail, pig feed, whatever. And then on the Indian side, it's like lentils and veggies and all of that. And 
it hadn't crossed my mind, you know, just being even in a ve- on the vegetarian diet. And just one day I just woke up and I just started to do it. And I have not gone back in the last 30 years. And I've not even missed mm. meat. And there's just a feeling in me that um, I'm saving an animal. I'm I'm helping to preserve our planet a little bit longer. And for some very subtle or deep significant reason, it it gives me great joy to know that I can offer that little bit to the world to make it a better place when I leave. Let's talk about your Get Loved Up community. What is its mission and how is it doing? Well, thank you for asking, and thank you for eating more plants. Um, And (laughs) that's what Get Loved Up is doing. It's just inspiring um, more intentional living. And intentional living is not about being perfect. It's about causing the least amount of harm. And I I say again, because a lot of people are like, well, I can't do this and I can't do that, and I'm wearing this and I'm wearing that. And I tell people, just live intentionally. Just do what you can. Like you said, hey, I just stopped eating meat, and now I feel great that I'm doing my part, you know. And it might not be perfect. So I feel like that's what we're doing with Get Loved Up. We're, we're encouraging people to live intentionally, know that everything you do or you don't do matters in the grand scheme of things. We all are having an imprint and an impact on Mother Earth with our life, and let it be a gentle one and let it be a beautiful one. And we have three pillars, and those pillars are um, self, self-love and really working on, you know, strengthening our mental health. And then the second pillar is oneness, and we focus on social justice and, you know, caring about not only ourselves but others and our communities and how we're joining together to love each other up. And then the third pillar is Mother Earth, or eco-friendly living, and how we connect in spirituality and oneness to really nurture the planet as a whole. And we just inspire people to make those choices every single day. Beautiful. And how can someone get involved with the Get Loved Up community if they wanted to know more information about it? We have a website called getlovedupdaily.com, and we also have a podcast called Get Loved Up, where I'm interviewing some of my um, favorite people who inspire me to get loved up mentally, spiritually, and physically. And we also have an Instagram, um, Get Loved Up, where we're posting quotes and pictures and things from our community um, every single day to inspire people with things that they can do to raise our vibration. Beautiful. We'll have to keep raising our vibrations because there is... um quite an obvious energy out there of, um, I think, folks that are just observing a lot of their toxicity within themselves, and because we're seeing it every day in the media, and even television and movies have also, you know, been promoting a lot of violence, a lot of, um, a lot of truth, too, but, um, you know, a lot of violence, a lot of low vibrational frequencies. Considering what's going on on the planet, are you still optimistic about the future of our humanity? Absolutely. I have to be because love and fear can't coexist. And mm. if I'm fearing, then I'm not loving. So I have, I have to be optimistic. I have to know that love conquers all. And love is all that there is and that... Fear is an illusion. It is an illusion to the truth. We are all spiritual love beings. 
And fear is just an allusion to that reality. So the more that we breathe and do yoga and connect with one another and care about one another, the more we get back to that vibration of love. And the more that we get back to the vibration of love, the more we raise the consciousness of the planet. And I believe every day I'm doing the best that I can. And I'm certifying people in yoga and holistic health so that I'm not alone because I know it's not just me. It's all of us um, bonding together, creating these shows and, and podcasts and writings to counterbalance the light and the darkness, because mm-hmm. there is duality in the world. Do I think there will never be darkness? No, that's not nature. That's not realistic. But do I think there could be a better balance of, of lightness and love and a higher vibration on the planet? Absolutely. There Absolutely. will be. There will be. Yes, yes. And I think we need to keep holding that, because if we don't hold that energy, we won't see it, right? We have to feed Absolutely. what we want to see as a reality. And that's why I always, you know, suggest to folks, well, not always, but I do my best to suggest to folks, really just pay attention to what you're thinking and feeling and, and what you're transmitting out there, because we are not only the solution, but we became a part of the problem. So there's an accountability for each and every one of us to show up in a very loved-up way. Koya Webb, thank you so much for joining us on air today. It was a delight. Is there Are there any closing remarks that you'd like to share with our incredible audience? Hmm. Well, it was a pleasure and an honor to be able to share with you and your community. And I just want to say thank you and remember that you are loved no matter what has happened to you, no matter what the past has been, you are loved in this present moment. Sounds like a good way to end our chit-chat. Thanks so much and all the very best to you. Thank you. Take care. So wonderful, folks. It's time to get loved up. Uh, Don't forget to visit KoyaWeb.com for more information on her work and listen to her podcast. I can't wait to sink into it, too, as well. You know, the return journey back to you, it's an ongoing journey. It's like a maze, you know. You try this way and it ends up to be a dead end and turn back around, you go that way. And if you like you're progressing, then you get in another dead end and you <laughs> turn around and then you keep going. But as Koya says, it's time for us to really love so fiercely that we can bring our truth forward and really begin to live our lives fully. So remember, no one can actually take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. And I'll end today's show by Sanatam Kaur, Mahi Guru. Take care, everyone. Be well.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.